Support for Panthers on Tap is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Bryce and I both received the Performance Package 4.0, and let me tell you guys, it's a game-changer. Inside this package, we received the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold our goodies. Guys, let me be honest with you. We really hope you guys use this code. This is our last chance um, to get something done with Manscaped. So help us out. It'll help us out. It'll help you out. The trimmer is elite. It's got an LED light on it. Um, it does the business. Let's just put it that way. The the deodorant smells great. It keep your it keeps your balls fresh. To be just blunt about it, it really does. does. It really does. The nose or the ear and nose hair trimmer. I had one before. I used this one. I thought it worked better. So again, any of those products, go give them a try. Go buy them. We have a 25, 20% off code plus free shipping. It's tap20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code tap20. Again, T-A-P-20 at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, let's get into the discussion this evening. The Panthers have lost their second straight game, 0-2 on the year. I feel like we should probably title this episode frustrating because it is tiring. I get it. Um, but me and Bryson are here to try to break down the game, kind of dissect what went right, what went wrong in this Giants game, and what the Panthers need to do to finally get into the win column on Sunday. Bryson, besides the Panthers, how is life going for you? <laughs> well, you know, uh, we had to re record this podcast later tonight because I am working like crazy, so um life has just been busy uh and the panthers or the panthers team has not helped uh my happiness uh oh, they haven't man. For the first two weeks of the of their season and uh, not really much hope for the rest of the season but we will get into that so where do you want to start i'll leave it up do you want to start with the negatives or the positives of this game let's start there what do we want to start with some of the good shit that happened, or do we want to start with all the negative shit? I'll so, let that go with you. I'll let you decide that, and then we can kind of go from there. Let's start with the negative and then end on the positive, and, uh, and then maybe get our hopes up for next week, but we'll see. <laughs> well, negatives. Um, I guess I'll start things off starting fast. That's what I put down. That was something – we talked about last week that is something the coaches and the team players talked about after the Browns game. Again, if you don't remember, 25 minutes of that Browns game, Panthers were non-existent on an offense. They tried to start fast this game. Didn't happen. Chuba Hubbard, literally the worst case scenario happened on the first play of the game. Chuba Hubbard fumbles the opening kickoff. Robbie Anderson fumbles on the Panthers' first offensive series because they didn't even get on the field after that first kickoff. 
and they end up down six. That literally was the worst case scenario to happen, and it literally happened to this team in this game, which is very frustrating because all week they preached starting fast on offense, and they just could not get going. And I don't, and it really was, I don't know if it was, uh, it really wasn't the play calls. It was just the guys couldn't hold on to the damn ball. And that goes to practice reps and ball security and just basic shit that wasn't getting done. Uh, very frustrating because when they preach this all week long and it's something they struggled with in the week one game and it didn't translate to Sunday. It's depressing. It really is. I have several negatives, but I will let you go next because I don't want to go on a total rampage with this, but I want us to kind of bounce back and forth. So what, what's one negative from this game and kind of I'll, go for Yeah, that. I'll say on the same side of the ball, and I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield because I thought Baker Mayfield struggled with a lot of things in this game. Um, I don't think he was – you know, awful, 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 but he definitely was not good. Uh, he 48.3% uh, completion percentage. Yes, some of uh, the balls um, that should have been caught were dropped, uh, Shy Smith in particular, but um, 145 yards and a touchdown is not good enough. It is not good enough. Uh, bailed from a lot of clean pockets. Uh, really seemed like he was just antsy at times, which is something that's popped up uh, throughout his career for him. So, um, I thought Baker Mayfield was not good enough to win the game. Um, the defense really kept us in the game for the first half. Uh, you know, they you can say what, they, what you want about them not being able to get the stop when they needed it the most, which is, you know, the truth. But if Baker Mayfield would have played better, you know, obviously this would have been a different game. So I think that to get 145 yards and a touchdown – and only complete 48% of your passes is just not good enough. If you go back and you look at Sam Darnold for the through the first two weeks last season versus Baker Mayfield for the first two weeks this season, it's pretty damn depressing because Sam Darnold with a worse offensive line with these same weapons is, is you know, not even close outperforming Baker Mayfield up to this point. So uh, I don't think that all is lost with Baker, and I think that there are a lot of things going wrong with this team at this point, but – Baker needs to play better if this team wants a chance to win. Yeah, I'm going to stick with offense here for a little while longer. My next headline was paging Hollywood Higgins. You talked about it a little bit. Guy has not played a snap. Uh, he also got a lot of playing time in preseason. I looked back at the play snaps. They release them every week. And I just really want to know why he is not playing. In the first preseason game, he played 30% of the snaps. That's 22 plays against Washington. The second game, most of the starters didn't play. He played 54% of the snaps versus the Patriots, 33 plays. In the last preseason game, he played 40% of the snaps. That's 25 plays against Buffalo. That's not to mention the guy has a relationship and a connection and has played with Baker Mayfield, your quarterback. That's like bringing Sam Darnold here and not starting Robbie Anderson. I don't understand it. I don't know who's behind it. I'm sure Matt Rule has some saying it. I'm sure Ben McAdoo has some saying it. 
everyone as a whole on that offense. What I mean, the uh, quarterbacks coach, the wide receivers coach, the offensive coordinator, Matt Rule, they're all to blame. That uh, Rashard Higgins should be on the field playing. I don't care if it's not a lot, but he needs to be rotated in. I get it. They really like Shy Smith. Baker Mayfield has had high praise for Shy Smith almost weekly in his press conferences, but they need to get more guys involved and get these get fresh receivers on the field. Just rotate them a little bit, even if you want Shy Smith out there more. Guy was one of six when targeted this week, and he dropped two balls. One was a third down in the red zone. I believe it was in the first or second, it was in the first half. If from my look at it, we were both watching the game together. I thought he would have probably converted it to third down, and that was in the red yep. zone. Again, played 70% of the snaps. When a guy's not performing, you gotta change, you gotta, you gotta change it up. It's got the things have to change when guys are not getting the job done. Same can go for Chuba Hubbard. Fumble the fumble the kickoff. They brought him back in. And then it was second or third quarter, he fumbled again. Again, he was down, but he still fumbled. I mean, that doesn't doesn't negate the fact that he couldn't hold on to the damn ball. So they got to start rotating some of these guys in. They have they have a crowded room. I get that, but keeping these guys fresh, I think, is going to help this offense along and also help Baker along, who hasn't still had a whole ton of time with some of these guys. So that's. One thing I still don't understand, and a better change this week, it sounded like Matt Rule said on Monday that it was going to, and that he said that Higgins needs to get more playing time and more opportunities. He hasn't had any, so that needs to change. Yeah, and and to your point, it was funny because right after the game, he said that they didn't need to change anything and that they just needed to push through and stay the course. And then a day later, he says, yeah, I think we need to get more players on the field. So it sounds like to me he has no fucking clue what he's doing. Um, and that's kind of been the, the the motto there, I guess. But um, I I do not see a reason why after you go through the whole entire training camp and you see the connection with Higgins and, and Mayfield that they showed from day one of being together that Shai Smith is getting all of this playing time over over Higgins. You know, I don't think Shai Smith has shown anything in meaningful game time that has earned – him this this role as the like the locked in third receiver. So I'm glad that they're they're gonna allegedly play more players now. Um, you go out and you trade for a wide receiver in Lavisca Chenault, and he's got zero snaps for you. You you bring in a guy that that you know you're excited about that you think is a good player. He's got zero snaps for you. That it, one it, I understand though a little bit more because he's not he doesn't have the playbook down. But there is no excuse for the Hagen stuff. He's been here long enough. They got him in March. He's got a connection with Baker. He's played in preseason. There's there's no reason why he's not in the field. At least for t- five fucking plays. Give me five. Because I guarantee you Baker's throwing him the damn ball on one of those. Like, they got to get this guy involved. And Chenault's another one. They I'm I'm hoping they we see him this weekend. And Terry Marshall, uh, too. I mean, Matt Rule comes out. Uh, the week prior and says that he's had he's had the best week of practice since he's been on the team and you know he doesn't play so uh Terrace definitely needs a chance Higgins for sure and, and Chenault and then don't even get me started on on Chuba Hubbard uh I've been preaching ever since he's been drafted that he is not a good player he does nothing good uh he 
if he was cut today, he would clear waivers and probably be a free agent. He would not be claimed. He would not be on anybody's practice squad. He is a terrible player. He does nothing well. He fumbled on the opening damn drive, his first kickoff return for the Panthers uh, with Andre Roberts being out. And then he fumbles it again later in the game. He, he, he struggles in blitz pickups. He struggles in, in vision one running the ball. He struggles in every aspect of being a running back in the NFL and, and returning the ball on kicks. Uh, he should not touch the field. He is a liability. If the Giants were smart, they would have kicked it to him every single time on kickoffs instead of kicking it out of the back of the end zone a couple of times that they did. Um, just, just he should not be on this roster. He's a waste of uh, a roster spot. They could cut him, bring up C.J. Saunders, and put C.J. Saunders at kicker turn, and that's an improvement tenfold over what Chuba Hubbard is. So I, I don't understand what the infatuation with Chuba Hubbard is. Uh, you know, he's Matt, he's Matt Rule's wife's favorite player or whatever the fuck they want to say about that. He's not a good football player, and for him to still be on this team is a disgrace. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it is a well-known fact that he's not a good football player, and people still to this day will defend him. I don't understand it. I have not seen it, um, and you will never see it. I, I will never see it. So One, one uh, more point. One more point on offense quickly here. I wanted to talk about the second half possessions. They came out. They had a really good drive out of the third quarter or coming out of half. They had three plays, 62-yard touchdown drive. It was quick. They scored. I think it was like in a minute. I mean, it was quick and fast. And then it just fell by the wayside. They had, let me count this, one, two, three, four, five. They had six drives after that on offense. Five plays, 15 yards punt. Three plays, eight yards punt. Three plays, zero yards punt. Fourth quarter, five plays, 55 55 yards field goal. Four plays, five yards punt. The average yardage in that, if you take out the 55-yard play, is like 10 yards for an offensive drive, which is not awful. Yeah. That cannot happen. (laughs) That needs to change. It's, It's way different than what they did in the Cleveland game where they played a really good fourth quarter, this non-existent. And then it it was a culmination of things. Baker missing guys, guys not open, drop passes, and penalties. They had a couple false starts. There was a holding in there. So, again, just the offense sputtering in the second half, which we're very familiar with from last year. That has to change. That cannot happen. And when you get in the red zone, which was the story in this game, you have to score touchdowns. Field goals will not cut it in this league. And that has been proven for the Panthers these last two games. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, unless you have something to add. Defensively negatives, what did you see? There wasn't many. This was the bright spot for this team this week. Well, I think the most important part uh, is where the defense failed is when – so Carolina comes out and Baker Mayfield throws a touchdown to D.J. Moore. The next drive, the defense uh, just completely stops playing defense and lets up a touchdown. Uh, the Daniel Jones-led offense just drove all the way down the field to score a touchdown. And then on the most important drive of the game, when Carolina needed a stop, the Daniel Jones-led offense drove down and – got a, uh, a field goal with Graham Gano, and then even when the offense ha- did have a chance, they had a chance with uh, Baker um, to, to go down and either tie the game up or, or, or score a touchdown, and 
Um, the offense failed, and then the defense had to come back out. <clears throat> I remember being at the watch party at, at Patrick's house. I said I would not have punted there. I do not trust the defense. And everybody else was like, no, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you, you have to punt. You have to punt. You have to punt. And then they punt the ball, and the defense does not stop. Daniel Jones scrambles for a first down, and the game's over. So uh, the defense played well for for most part of, of the game. I will give them credit for that. They held Saquon Barkley in check for most of the game. But when it mattered the most, the defense did not show up. And and I don't even think they're towards the end. It wasn't because they were on the field a lot, because the offense was getting some sustained drives, for the most part, there towards the end, and, and keeping them off the field for a little bit at least. So uh, I think that my biggest negative is that when it counted the most, the defense did not show up. Yeah, I'll admit I was a part of that group that said punt the ball. Um, to be fair, it was fourth and 15 with three timeouts left. But I, I get it. I, I understand your point. Um, I may, I wanted to mention J.C. Horn. He's got to limit the, he's got to limit the penalties. I'll talk about him later in some of my positives, but he had a PI in the fourth quarter. It was second and 12. He doesn't get the pass interference. It would have forced a third and long for them and might've helped him out in that, in that drive. So yeah. I, I know he's had issues with that in college where he's very touchy. Uh, with receivers and that's something I'm sure he's working on cleaning up but just something I noticed it's a second game now I think he had two holding penalties in the first so those are going to start adding up and teams are going to look to that and take advantage of that moving forward also real quick going back to offense their third down efficiency was god awful yeah it was two of 12 in the Giants game you're not winning games with that kind of third down efficiency it was four for 11 versus the Browns. A little bit better, but still not good enough. That was something that I thought that they lacked. And then also, I think, has been really key besides turnovers is time of possession. They are usually, if I remember correctly, are usually decent at this. They just can't ever. Last year, they could just never score. But time of possession, this, these first two games has been terrible. It was 20, they had 24 minutes on offense compared to the Giants at with 36. And then they had 21 in the Cleveland game. So not good at all. Offense cannot sustain drives. And that, that has to change if you want to win football games. That you got to give the defense a break. And hats off to the defense. They played really well in the first half and saved the offense's asses. Otherwise, this game, I mean, you could have been, you seriously could have been looking at. 14 to zero at the end of the first quarter giants up off of the fumbles, which is insane. Like that cannot happen versus the New York giants with a first year head coach. And I get it. Brian Dables seems like he's going to ha have a pretty good tenure in New York, but still like this team, they're new. Daniel Jones is playing for his life right now at the QB position. You have to be on the damn field and help out your defense. And that is something that has to change if they want to start winning football games. Any other negatives, Bryson? That's kind of what I had for my gist. I'm sure there's a ton more. I'm sure we could talk yeah. an hour about how shitty this game was. But anything else popping out to you? Yeah, I, I just got a, a couple more that I wanted to mention. Just, I guess, stat-wise, um, <clears throat> so far through – 
through two weeks of the NFL season, the Carolina Panthers have the 28th-ranked offense and the ninth-ranked defense. So that's a trend that's kind of continuing from last season. Um, Baker Mayfield ranks last in the NFL in total QBR um, behind Justin Fields and Jameis Winston. Uh, Matt Rule is now 1-25 in uh, when a opposing team scores more than 17 points. And Matt Rule uh, is bottom 10 in NFL history in winning percentage uh, through the for a coach that's played over 35 games. So I think that for him to – I mean, what what else do we expect at this point? I mean, Matt Rule has shown who Matt Rule is. It, it is literally – that 1-25 stat literally almost made me throw up. It, it, like, to keep an offense under 17 points in the NFL is literally – almost impossible nowadays with, with the way the trends of the league are going. Um, and essentially the defense has, has to just be set spectacular elite, hold an offense to 17 and hope that our offense can score more than 17, which for the past couple of years has been a challenge as well. So I think that, uh, you know, this team has shown who they are. We got our hopes up yet again for, for another season. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just not ready to to do that again until they can show me something. Uh, I've already talked to you about it. Like, I'm not going to any more games. I'm not spending any more of my hard-earned money on this team bef- until they either, one, fire Matt Rule and, and, and make that change and hopefully, you know, ignite something in that locker room, or they start winning some games. And I don't even know – how Matt Rule has kept his job this long. I don't know if David Tepper wants to be like the Pittsburgh Steelers where he came from and, and you know, stick it out with a coach and, and just really kind of let him run its course. But I, I wanted to ask you before we move off of the negatives, at what point do we – What uh, so let's say we get to week six. Uh, what is the – if Matt Rule makes it to week six, what record does he have to have to be able to keep his job? I think Matt Rule will be gone if the Panthers start 0-5. I looked back at previous firings. I tried to find the earliest firings in the NFL, and the most recent I found was in 2020. Dan Quinn was fired after an 0-5 start after the Sunday loss to the Panthers that year. And then that same year, Bill O'Brien was fired after an 0-4 start. I cannot find any earlier firings, and I could be wrong. I didn't. It's they're hard to find. You literally have to go back year every single year to find them, and those are the earliest I've seen. I don't think I've ever seen someone fired after three games. I could be wrong, but that is kind of my benchmark of what I think will would happen if they get to that point. I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> I'll die on the sword until then. I said that I'm going down with the sinking ship. I've supported Matt rule this long. I hope he turns it around. I texted you after I think Sunday. I don't know what you asked me, but I said, I'm losing hope quickly. And I am, um, but I'm going to stick it out to this point. I hope, I hope he, I hope this team does turn around and they, they, they got to string together wins right now. Like they got to beat the saints this weekend. They got to, I don't even know what their next game is. It's the 49ers, maybe. I might be wrong on that. I but so. yeah. they got three, three home they, games in a row. Yeah, they got three home games in a row. I mean, the Heat's really going to be on if they aren't winning anyway. Like, there's so, there's going to be booze. There is going to be booze coming these next couple of weeks if they're so, not performing. So, do you think through five weeks, if we're one and four, he keeps this job? 
that I don't know. That's I don't know. I yeah, I think I, the benchmarks zero and five. I really do. If they but one and four, I could see it happening too. But I think because there it's a home stretch. Like you're gonna yeah. have pissed off fans the next three we, games if uh, you're not winning. So yeah, and I and I agree. And I think that um, just the way that uh, you know the the these three years have gone and the past, the previous two years and fans wanted him fired after last season going into this year, losing to the Cleveland Browns with Jacoby Brissett and then losing to the giants, which are supposed to be two of the easier games on the schedule. I could see, and this isn't just me being a Matt rule hater because I am, and I hate Matt rule and I want him to, I wish he was gone last season and we were rolling into this season with a new head coach and having a completely different outlook on the season. But, uh, I think if he loses to the Saints, 0-3, I think because of the situation that he's been in, and it's it's a little different from, I guess, those other coaches where it, I don't think that they had been there as long as Matt Rule has been in Carolina. And with them losing, what they've lost nine games in a row now, uh, stemming from last season. If they lose to the Saints, which is one of the, uh, again, one of the easier games on the schedule, and when you look at it as a whole, the Saints and the Falcons, um, you can't even say the Lions are an easy game anymore. The Lions are a fucking good team. Uh, but um, I think that there is a, a real possibility that if the Panthers lose to the Saints on Sunday, that Matt Rule is fired um, next week. So uh, I – And that would think- shock me. It wouldn't. That would not shock me. My prediction is 0-5, but I if that happened after the – that wouldn't – I that wouldn't put it past them. I Yeah, yeah. I could see right, that well, happening too. Let's move on to some positives. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. There, there was a little bit more than I thought after thinking through it. Again, it's these are little things, but you got to try to find something in these games. Yeah, I wanted to mention the bot snaps because that's something I harped on last week. There was four of them in that game. Three were Baker's fault, from my personal perspective, and one was on Elfline. There was nada this week. So they cleaned that up pretty damn quickly in this game, which was good to see because a lot of those bot snaps last week kind of stymied the offense uh, in those drives. So that was good to see. Uh, what, what about you? Yeah, I um, I have to give Pat Elfline credit because he has played through two weeks pretty well. Um, besides the issues with the snaps, um, I think Pro Football Focus has him ranked as the third-ranked center in the NFL right now um, through their grading system. The the interior of the line has played really well, uh, especially last week with Corbett and Christensen, especially in the run game. Um, the whole line has played well in the run game, but in passing games, uh, in the passing area of the game, uh, Moten and Iki Aquanu have, have had their struggles, uh, especially Aquanu. But I'm not I'm not harping on that because that's that's what you expect from a rookie left tackle. He's gonna have his growing pains. He's going to be good. Fans need to quit. With the Christensen should be left tackle. Aquanu should be guard. Crap. Like there's gonna be growing pains. Accept it. Move on. He's gonna be a good player. Just just no no need to harp on that. And um, so yeah, I think that. Elfline has definitely improved, and uh, I still would probably like to see Bozeman because I feel like Bozeman is just a better player. So I think if Elfline could play third, I think Bozeman could be two. Um, but 
apparently, you know, Matt Rule sees something or or Campen sees something and they'll find that they don't see in Bozeman. So uh, I think the interior of the line and the line as a whole, I mean, it's just, it is better than last season. I don't think anybody can can say that it's not and that they've given – there has been multiple times where, where you can see that they give clean pockets and it's on the quarterback and not on the offensive line. So I think the offensive line as a whole has been one of the bright spots judging from last season. Yeah, I want to keep going with Elfline here because I get it. There's a lot of gripe around why isn't Bozeman playing. I'm just telling you my perspective. I'm not an offensive line expert, nor do I act like I am one. I don't think Elfline has played bad. I think for Bozeman, I love the guy. I love his wife. I love him. I think he's a great player, and I think he's awesome for the Carolinas. But it was just the wrong place, wrong time for him. He got injured at the just the worst time. They slid in Elfline. They didn't think Bozeman was probably ready week one. And Elfline has played all right up to this point. And actually, not all right. He's played pretty damn well up yes. to this point. And I feel like they're not going to put Bozeman in until Elfline struggles. And that's yeah. kind of what they're waiting on. And I know people hate that. And I know Bozeman was an all-pro and stuff. But Elfline has played well. And you want consistency with your offensive line and not switching guys up and moving them around. And I think until Elfline fucks up, that's just the way they're going to roll with it. And it's kind of if you if it ain't broke, don't fix it, sort of thing. So I think that's kind of the way they're going to roll with that. CMC, I wanted to talk about him. Of course, these are these are things uh, things we harped on last week. They finally got him involved, and it paid off. I mean, it didn't pay off. They didn't win the damn game. But 15 carries, 102 yards, four receptions, 26. He had 10 runs in the Browns game. He had 15 runs in this game. Played really well. Looks like the old CMC. I still think he can be involved even a little bit more. I don't mind him being swapped out with Foreman every now and then. Those third and one plays give Foreman the ball. He's huge run it right next to Icky and Brady and pound that rock on the left side. They need to start doing that a little bit more. They draft Icky. That's Icky's strength. Play to his strengths. So they need to do that. I think they need to get Christian more involved. And I know I get it. Fans don't want them to rely so heavily on this offense, but when they do and he's healthy, they usually, it works out for them and they play well and it opens up other things. I also think, little knock on Baker, he needs to not be so hesitant to check the ball down to Christian. Christian is special. He makes guys mix, miss, and I I think this is a fair statement. I don't think there's any linebacker in the league that can cover him. He is talented oh, as all hell, and there was a play in, the, in this last game. I want to say it was in the third or fourth. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Baker ran for a couple yards on a drive. He had pressure. He rolled out to the right. But he had Christian. Uh, he Christian was out kind of in the flat, and Baker decided to run. But if he threw to Christian, there was some open field there. He probably could have gotten the first down just knowing him as a player. Baker didn't throw it. I don't think it – I don't know if that's going to come with time or if what what if he wants to make, try to get a bigger play. But – Throw that guy the ball. He's a he is a playmaker. He is good and he makes guys miss. So, but anyway, CMC, glad McAdoo tried not to complicate things and just give the ball to one of your best players on offense. Yeah, and and, and you kind of wish that he scores on that long run in the fourth quarter because 
they didn't end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So uh, it, I, and it that you know could have possibly won the game, but uh, you know you can't really complain with the way Christian played. He was definitely the bright spot of the game for the Panthers' offense. Um, I think he averaged like six or seven yards a carry. Just you really can't involve him enough, and they might as well get their money worth out of him. They're they're going to be paying him for a while, and um, really really test out and and see if he if he's going to be healthy. Um, I think that's that would that's pretty important for for the future of this team, and and just really you know let him do his work because I think we're complicating it a lot, and it doesn't need to be that way. We can just go back to the basics, which is what they were preaching week one and just run the ball and play action off the run and just go from there. But, hey, I'm not the offensive coordinator. Carries this week. It was 10 first week, 15 second. Get to that 20 range with Christian. 20 is a good can, number. The guy can do some damn good things. Going back to the offensive line, they played better in pass protection this week. PFF had them graded out at a 44 week one week two. They were at a 73. So again, you do what you want with PFF grades. I'm just giving you the numbers. Don't just shoot a the messenger. Yeah, just, just <laughs> Defensively. We talked about it. I thought they played outstanding. I get it. They gave up some crucial drives in the end, but first half could have not played a better damn game. Frankie Luvu could have had the pick. Before half, might have changed out the outcome of that game. But Giants had the ball on Carolina's 22 to start the game. Carolina's 40, and they held them to field goals. You cannot ask much more besides forcing a turnover in that situation. And they held Saquon, which was the talk from us, from the people we had on last week. Can Carolina hold Saquon? They held him to three fucking rushing yards in the first half. Yeah. which is insane. The guy had 164 yards week one against the Titans. They held them to three yards in the first half. He had 77 in the game. So d- defense did their job. Defense did enough for them to win this game. Offense, it, it, they need to, they need both to be, they need both. Complimentary sides. football. Yes, thank you. <laughs> both sides of the ball working in unison. It, it hasn't happened in Carolina in years. The defense needs to show up and the offense needs to show up in the same damn game. Offense played better the first week. Defense, they did, they did, they played all right. And then this week, defense shows up and offense just can't get anything going. So again, you said it complimentary football, but man, yeah, shout is impressive as hell. Shout out to Frank Luvu again. He is tied. For the most tackles for loss this season with Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, and Von Miller. He's playing that well. Uh yeah, he could have had that pick and it could have changed the game, but I can't complain um with with the sum of everything that he's put on the field. Really showed up. I'm not sure if he'll be sticking around long in Carolina um with the offers that he will probably get in a couple years in his free agency. And then the two uh the two highest graded players uh from the game on this past Sunday, Austin Corbett and Frankie Louvre were tied. Uh, from PFF at an 80 overall, and then Derek Brown was uh, was third uh, with the two tied with a 78.1. Derek Brown, um, I called him out and he showed up, so I'm going to call him out every game, and then hopefully he shows up every game. <laughs> yeah, I mean he we, that's 
that's the issue though, is that he'll do this every now and then. It's just the consistency. We need we need him to show up week in and week out and and eat like he did this week in the run game and, and clog up the middle and not make it easy for Saquon to get yards. And he played a big part in, in that. And Brian Burns did as well, and Frankie Lubu did as well. And that's all we're asking for is just consistency. You're a top 10 pick. Show it on the field week in and week out. So hopefully this is the step in the right direction and we won't have to talk about it anymore. Yeah, I want to say you dog Brian Burns a lot. I thought this was one of his best games as a Panther. He played outstanding. He had that one missed tackle where he got outrun by Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. Yeah. I don't know how the hell that happened because he's a he's fast. I don't know if he was just tired on the field, but two sack game for him. Four tackles, two tackles for loss and four QB hits. He had a ton of pressures too. Don't have the stats on the pressures, but I thought he played outstanding. He has really changed the way he rushes the passer. He's now got a speed rush and a power rush, which he, I want to say, I don't know if both the sacks were on the power rush, but I know one of them was. The, the weight he has gained or the muscle he's gained this offseason is really helping him. He's way better in the run against the run. I think there's he's in for a big season. I know it didn't come week one playing one hell of an offensive line, but it, I think if he starts to string together sacks, he's going to have a pretty damn big year, and he's going to get paid for it because he played well. But also a knock on that, and this is going on the defensive side of play calling, quit playing him in the pass coverage. How fucking Ryan, stupid is that? Ryan Burns is a pass rusher. Put him in there and let him go at the quarterback. I get it. You want to mix up. And, hey, the defense did play well, so I get it. I understand it. But I like to see that guy going after the quarterback almost every play. He's, I mean, he's your only pass rusher that you have. Do not take him off of the line and put him in coverage. Like, put anyone – put Derek Brown's big fat ass in coverage. I don't care. Keep the fucking Brian Burns on the line, dude. He is your only consistent rusher of the quarterback. And, yes, he Brian Burns had a very good game, and, and I'm very happy. Uh, two sacks, he could have had more. Uh, but that it's a, it comes back to the consistency that I'm talking about with Derek Brown. Can Brian Burns consistently do this week in and week out and beat double teams and use his power moves and, and get sacks week in and week out? Uh, that's something that, you know, it's going to be seen. We're, we're going to find out, but I, I hope it, it can. I think that if Brian Burns finishes the season around the 10-sack mark again, I'm not paying him like a top – I'm not resetting the market for Brian Burns if I'm the Carolina Panthers for a defensive end, which is what he's probably going to command. Uh, I'm not paying him T.J. Watt money. I'm not paying him like that. He's not a player like that right now. He's, he's not on that level. So – if he has a great season and, and he gets up to the 15, 16 sacks, and or even if he improves like to 12, then yeah, I would consider you know backing up the bus, the, the Brinks bus for him and and paying him. But we just need to see that consistency from him. He has improved a lot in the run game. Hopefully, this is the year that he takes that step. One more guy I wanted to highlight, JC Horn. I harped on him before about the pass interference call. 38 coverage snaps. He allowed one catch for four yards. It's pretty damn good. That's, yep. pr that's pretty damn good. <laughs> so that's the guy Carolina drafted. 
with the eighth pick. And that's what you like to see. Hopefully Dante comes back and he can find and he can stay on the field for an entire game this weekend with his hamstring. But anyway, just going back to <laughs> to JC, he played well in this game. I know he gave up a couple of plays last week and a couple of penalties, but week two he had a he had a good game. So hats off to him there. Let's talk about this. I think you mentioned this stat before. I'm not sure if you did, but the Panthers are the only team to not first force a turnover in the NFL through two weeks. Something they struggled with last year. Matt Rule was asked about it, or was it Phil Snow? Some one of the coaches was asked about it this week after the game, with the Panthers not for forcing any turnovers. And Matt Rules, I think it was Matt Rule. He talked about how they God, I hope I have this right. Do you remember this quote where he was talking about coverages and how they switched up coverages? Uh, I did not see that one. Uh, I cannot find it, and I'm blanking on it. Um, But anyway, just going off of that, I I wanted to ask you, what what are ways Carolina can fix the turnovers? What can they do? to force a fumble? What can they do to get interceptions? Not just this week, but in the future. Cause it's, they just, they aren't getting them. <laughs> I think it like, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really anything that they're doing wrong. They've had opportunities to get turnovers like with the Frankie Louvu catch with the CJ Henderson, um, pass interference in the end zone when Xavier Woods picked them off. And I think there was one other, uh, one that should have been picked last week. Uh, but they've had opportunity. I'm not sure about with fumbles. It doesn't seem like this team is going to force a lot of fumbles. I'm not sure if it's nobody's peanut punching or, or what, but uh, but they've had opportunities for interceptions. It's just they just need to learn to catch. So I guess my recommendation would be to hit the jugs machine and sleep with the football and carry the football with you wherever you go and just kind of figure out how to put two hands on it and, and catch the ball. But and also not passing their fear when your teammate <laughs> picks it off. So I, I think that this team has had opportunity for turnovers. Um, I think that they will come. I just think that they have to stay the course and continue to play smart on defense. And just when the opportunity presents itself, take it. Yeah, I, I, I'm calling out Jeremy Chin, Frankie Luvu, Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns, J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson, Woods back there, they should be taking jug machine reps after practice every single day because they've had the opportunities to do it. They've had three to my count, and they dropped every single one of them. Going back to what I mentioned before that I couldn't think of because I was blanking, Matt Rule said this week, in previous years, they played more match zone coverage. Bringing Steve Wilkes in, they went to a more zone eye coverage, which I don't know what any of that means. but they have tried to adjust parts of their scheme to play uh, to play the football and try to get more takeaways. So it, it sounds like they've adjusted a little bit with Steve Wilkes coming in to try to create more turnovers. And we know Steve Wilkes was part of the Thieves Ab back in the day, and Carolina had during that run with Cam and stuff. They had some, I mean, solid defensive players, and they did create some turnovers. Uh, Munderland comes to mind. He always it seemed like he always was getting a pick. Um, and there's a couple other guys 
Josh Norman, those type of guys who made plays. But that needs to start coming too. Like that's you need to win the turnover battle, and they have not done that yet. So that brings me to my next question, and I'll start is what do the Panthers have to do this weekend to beat the Saints? It's a division game. I expect this one to be close. I won't get into my prediction yet, but they need, offensively, they need to play turnover-free football. No fumbles, no interceptions, turnover-free, sustained drives. Don't fumble the opening kickoff. It's really simple. Don't run it out of the end zone. You're not good enough. Chuba Hubbard should not see the field on special teams. He probably shouldn't see the field in the backfield on offense either. But I hope that guy is not returning kicks at all. And just hold on to the damn ball. It's really fucking simple. High and tight. I learned it in middle school. High and tight. That's what they taught you. (laughs) High and tight. Keep the ball in. And they also need to force – I cannot say force tonight. I don't know what the hell it is. But they need to force – I can't say it. They need to force turnovers on Jameis Winston. They need to be one or two interceptions. Jameis is good for them. He's due for them. They need to create turnovers in this game. They also need to get Christian McCaffrey involved. This is a lot of things we talked about already. They need to rotate receivers, keep these guys fresh. You have the weapons. Use them. They aren't doing any good sitting on the damn sideline. Use these guys. And hopefully Higgins is rolling out the red carpet this weekend. And then just play sound defense. I know it sounds this sounds easy, but it really should be. The Panthers have players. They have the players to win these damn games. Guys got to execute on Sundays. Coaches got to coach better and play a turnover free football and you're going to win this damn game. Yeah. I mean, uh, James Winston's coming off of a three interception game where he threw a pick six and just didn't play well. And I think that a lot has to go right for Carolina to win on, on Sunday. I think that the saints are a better team top to bottom than the Panthers. Uh, the saints have a very talented wide receiver group. Um, if, if Alvin Kamara plays, obviously they have a very talented running back. And Jameis is is good at times. So they have a very talented offense overall. And I think that obviously they need to force some turnovers, of course, and they need to pressure the quarterback. They got after Jameis last season uh, with Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns. So hopefully they can do that again. And Brian Burns can get after Jameis Winston. I feel like the Panthers normally play the Saints pretty well. So it probably will be a close game. And it's home. I mean, we need a win so fucking bad. It's not even funny. Matt Rule needs a win. Baker Mayfield needs a win. So many people need a win in Carolina. Every fan does. So if they can limit turnovers on offense, like you said, force a couple turnovers on defense, the defense can contain Alvin Kamara if he plays. And this is going to be the hardest matchup for the corners to this point by far. Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, and Michael Thomas, they're a very good receiving core. So if the if the corners can hold their own and and not let up in coverage, I think that you know the Panthers may have a chance, but we'll we'll get into the predictions later. I it, it, they just have to play a clean, sound football game, not beat themselves. That is literally the 
the thing that has killed Carolina in the first two weeks of the football season is beating themselves. If they cannot beat themselves, then they have a chance to win this football game. Yeah, I'm going to go with my prediction. And I'm tired of picking the Panthers because they they kill me every week. Until they win, I'm not picking them. So I think the Saints win this one. I think it's a close game. Carolina has played them well, like you said. These this last year they won. I they won in week three versus the Saints. I think it was 26. God, I looked it up before and now it's escaped me. But it was a I think they won considerably, like by 10 or so. Yeah, they did. And then they lost at the end of the season when they were just a total hot mess and they weren't beating anyone in the damn league then. But again, until they prove otherwise, I am going to pick the opposing team. I hope they prove me wrong and I hope they kill the Saints. I'm going to the game and I'm tired of walking out of the game and hearing the opposing team chant their chants. And I do not want to hear the fucking who day. Or who dat? That's who dat. The fucking Bengals and Saints with some what? A, what a dumbass chant. <laughs> but anyway, better not hear that freaking thing on the way out on Sunday. No who dat shit. But until they prove me wrong, twenty four twenty Saints win. Panthers prove me wrong, please. Just please do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm on the same page. I'm not picking him to win any game. When you look through the schedule realistically, I think winning five games this season is, is going to be hard for this team for the way they played through the first two games. So I'm not picking them to win this game. I'm not picking them to win any game except for maybe against the Falcons one once. Uh, but I think the Saints – and the Saints have a very good kicker in Will Lutz. So we faced two kickers that fucked us up through the first two weeks, and Will Lutz can fuck us up week three – so I think the Saints win on a field goal again three weeks in a row, and the Saints win 24-21 versus the Carolina Panthers at home, and Matt Rule is fired the following week. All right, you heard it here first. Well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight on Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes every week wherever you get your podcast. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always – 